I'm curious, do you have a really great BS detector? You're, maybe you're often skeptical of others. Are you really street smart? Would you say you're pretty self-assured? You often find yourself being the leader in the group. Maybe you even struggle to ask for help. Do you love a good challenge? Do you fight really hard for the causes you believe in? Do you have a great sense of humor? I bet you're a blast. You might have thought that these were all parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are so much as what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz Now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. Welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast, the show for ambitious women ready to get off the hot mess express. I know you've got a lot going on. You work so hard. You're raising an incredible family, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. I'm your host, Michelle Grosser. I'm a certified master life coach, attorney, wife, and mom. And years ago, I was right where you are. I was running a busy law practice while raising a family, and I was on the fast track to burnout. I thought I just needed to be more organized or have better routines, but it was learning how to heal and regulate my nervous system that expanded my capacity to gracefully hold more of this big, beautiful life. You too are worthy of an extraordinary life in and beyond motherhood. Learning to be a calm, anchoring presence in your home and at work is going to be your superpower. If you're here to do the inner work that brings a sense of calm amidst the chaos, I'm here to join you on that journey. Each time you press play, your growth continues. So let's get at it. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Calm Mom Podcast. Michelle Grosser here. I am really excited for you guys to hear today's episode. I have been, I I guess the term is sober curious for a while now, which I don't know, sounds weird to me, but um, it's true. And I guess the idea is as someone who was a bartender for a decade plus, right, all throughout undergrad and law school, someone who loves just like learning about wine and drinking wine and I love a good margarita. I love a good happy hour. I love all these things. But I've decided in January, I wasn't going to have any alcohol. And I am noticing such a difference in my quality of sleep and the state of my nervous system. My anxiety has reduced. I have more energy. I feel more clear. And this is coming from someone who had a couple drinks a week, right? 
So I am really surprised in the best way about how much of an impact it has had on my body. And I know everybody is different and every nervous system is different and people respond to different things in different ways. So I'm not standing here in a soapbox saying that everyone should stop drinking. I'm just telling you guys that I got curious about what it might feel like if I just cut out alcohol altogether. And what I have noticed in my body and my life and my energy and my clarity and all the things has been really remarkable. So I'm going to continue this experiment and I'll keep you guys posted. But it's really what we're going to talk about. I'm bringing on Celeste Yvonne. She is a writer. She's a certified recovery coach. Um, and she's really spoken and taught a lot about parenting and the mental load of motherhood and how mommy wine culture and sobriety fits into all of it. She's over five years sober. She hosts this group called the Sober Mom Squad, and she really advocates for women who are looking and curious about what it might look like to live a life that is alcohol-free. So enjoy this conversation. I learned so much in speaking with her. We recorded this interview a few months ago, and it was part of my curiosity in starting 2024 alcohol-free. So I think you're going to learn something too, and you might take something away. It might pique your interest. It might plant a seed, but it's always good to look at the ways in which we do things, right? And just reevaluate them once in a while and be like, hey, is this still serving me? So today's conversation is a great opportunity for all of us to really look at our, our relationship with alcohol and motherhood in an honest way and just ask ourselves, hey, is this actually serving me? If so, awesome. Let's go rock on. If not, what are some ways in which I might be able to set some boundaries or do it with more intention or maybe even just try what Michelle's trying and go alcohol free for, I don't know, a few weeks or a month and just see how I feel, right? And then I can take it from there. So enjoy this conversation with Celeste. Right. Celeste, welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast. So grateful you're with us today. Thanks, Michelle. So happy to be here. Cool. So we're going to be talking about sobriety, mom wine culture, all these things. I'm so grateful to have you here because this is something that I've been really exploring in my own walk and we haven't really talked about it a lot on the podcast. So this is going to be awesome. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. Um, yes. But before we do, I know that there's a story to all yes. of this. <laughs> and I would love for you to really introduce yourself to everyone listening and kind of let them know um, what you, what you like to share about that story and that journey and why you're so passionate about, you know, the work that you're doing today. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in a home of addiction. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic, uh, my entire life. Um, so I, if you kind of look up the signs and symptoms of children of alcoholics or alcoholism, uh, there's a lot of guilt and shame, uh, a lot of issues with self-confidence and a lot of struggles around sensitivity and reading the room. That's something I'm very good at, I'd say. I can read a room um, just by looking at it, like who feels like safe people, who feels mm -hmm. like unsafe people. Uh, you know, these are some of the superpowers that come out of growing up in a home of addiction. And uh, you know, I look at it as a superpower now. As a child, obviously, I did not consider it a superpower. It was a survival mechanism. But um, I really thought 
uh, as I grew up that my father's problem was just that, his problem, and that seeing how he fell into the addiction cycle gave me a leg up because Mm -hmm. it showed me what not to do while also still getting to partake. Uh, You know, it's so interesting because my older sister, she took the lessons learned from my father and chose to never have a drink a day in her life. I kind of took a different route where I said, well, that's not fair. You know, 80% of the population drinks alcohol, but I can't because of my dad's problem. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not fair. Uh, So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to trick the system and uh, figure out rules around how I can still safely drink and never fall into the cycle like my dad did. And that's really how I went into it. Um, uh, All while what I can now see having very red flags around my drinking where I did binge drink uh, in college and in my twenties. I did uh, have a very unhealthy uh, relationship with alcohol. When it changed for the worse, I think it's easy to live in our country and have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol and not feel unusual Mm -hmm. uh, and feel perfectly normal and healthy and safe because we live in a country with a very unhealthy relationship with alcohol in general. So uh, it felt like it was all fine and good. And I was going to be just fine until I became a mom. Mm -hmm. And that really, I see a huge transition in the way I was drinking where what was a means of having fun and socializing became something I did alone. Yeah. Um, within the confines of the four walls of my home, uh, it became more secretive. It became a means of coping with stress and strain and so much worry and even early postpartum depression and anxiety. Uh, so all these things, uh, I do feel like the way I was drinking changed uh, with motherhood. And anyone who has ever uh, drank too much as a mother knows that drinking and at least being hungover uh, and being a mother to small children is no easy feat. Uh, It's brutal. It's miserable. It was probably the hardest days of my life as a mom because I wasn't feeling my best self. So how could I now take care of little ones? Uh, And that scared me. That was such a scary thought that my life was no longer just for me. Mm. These responsibilities now um, bled into people around me who needed me to survive. I think the depth of how serious this now was uh, really sat with me and weighed on me. Uh, And when my kids were fairly young, you know, I did reach a point where I realized I could either keep drinking the way I like to drink, or I could be the mother I wanted to be Mm. and that I could not do both. 
Yeah. I'd have to choose. So I, I chose to quit drinking and I chose it in frustration. It was, I wasn't excited about this choice. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't something that felt good to me. It just mm-hmm. felt necessary. Um, but I did it. And with time and with uh, seeing the results that came out of it, where mm-hmm. I did, um, I, I felt better. I had more energy. I was more present. Yeah. I wasn't so obsessed with, you know, when I'll get my next drink. The mental, I mean, we talk about the mental load of motherhood a lot, but yeah. the mental load of alcohol yes. is yeah. its own. <laughs> yeah. Its own thing. Yeah. Uh, and to be able to put that to to lift that off my shoulders was made such a big difference for me, for my own mental health and for me as a mom in so many ways. So with time, um, I realized like, this is not only the direction I want to take my life, but um, this is something I want to be vocal and public about because my father's addiction was a very secretive Mm. part of my, my childhood. And uh, we, we really drown uh, in our secrets and, I really saw that every time I spoke up about what I was doing or how I'm doing it and the struggles that come with it, uh, people wrote back to me and said they could relate and that I was helping. And I thought, you know, maybe if I share my story, I can help other women not get to the place I had to get to, to make the change. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And I love the nuance in your story also, because I think a lot of times when we hear about sobriety or someone being sober, you know, our brain loves to like categorize things. It makes us more efficient, right? But we think the opposite of sobriety is like an alcoholic that just drinks all day and, and can't function. And there's so much gray in between those two. And I think, and and I would love to hear from you, even your experience where it's kind of like a drunk driving thing too. It's like, oh, well, I'm not drunk. I'm just buzzed or whatever. Like women, like I don't have a problem with alcohol because I X, Y, or Z, they can still function or whatever it is. Um, And I think that is in part of what's pushing forward mommy wine culture amongst like a ton of other things, right? We're just so under-resourced and we don't have good coping mechanisms and it's just easy and available and and it is celebrated. Um, But I would love to hear you talk a little bit about that in between um, where it's not one or the other and why, even though you're not, you you don't suffer from an addiction, um, there's still value and being aware about how you're consuming alcohol and your relationship with alcohol. Yes. So what, what are the things I learned and realized in my recovery as I started doing the research uh, was that addiction and, and our relationship with alcohol in general is a spectrum. Uh, It is not black or white. It is not yes or no. You know, I think we grew up, me in particular, I grew up with the understanding that you either are, are an alcoholic yeah. Or you have the alcoholic gene yeah. or you're fine. Right. And you can drink as much as you want. Even if you're drinking problematically, it's okay mm-hmm. because you're not the alcoholic. Right. And this is such a problematic message because 
What we know about alcohol now is it's addictive for anybody, not just somebody with with a genetic predisposition for addiction. Anybody can become addicted to an addictive substance. And alcohol is an extremely addictive substance. And anybody who consumes it enough will begin to see signs of addiction, which means, you know, the increase in tolerance, um, the, you know, the hangovers, yeah. uh, the, the need to drink more to experience the same effects yeah. and that mental load of alcohol. Yeah. And, um, this is new thinking for, um, the way alcohol works, I would say in the past 15, 20 years, um, And me, as somebody who grew up in a family of addiction, knows better than anyone. I was served this message that be careful around alcohol because you might have this genetic predisposition like your dad, but you might not. And you might be just fine. Never really understanding that anytime I'm drinking, I am setting, I'm fueling the fire. Yeah. Or whatever, whatever my genetic predisposition is or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is, um, we have learned so much about addiction and how it works recently. And these new terms are coming into play in, um, in, you know, modern culture. Uh, Jolene Park came up with the term gray area drinker mm-hmm. and gray area drinking. And the most recent stat I saw is that 80% of the population identifies as a gray area drinker, which is somewhere between alcoholic and rarely drinks, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's a very broad spectrum. Um, and I love that we are coming up with these new labels uh, because the majority of people, and I say this as somebody who I identify as someone in recovery for alcohol use disorder. I do not identify myself as an alcoholic because I don't drink alcohol, Um, but not all people agree with that. And everyone's definition of what an alcoholic is or what it looks like is going to look different. So to be able to find other ways to understand our relationship with alcohol that doesn't fit this black or white thinking is really beneficial, I think, to so many yeah, I agree. It's not so stark and it's so much it's so much more subtle than I think we realize. And I think that's a good segue into this mommy wine culture because I think there's probably people listening that are like I don't really know what they're talking about because we're yeah. not aware of all of the messaging coming at us and the memes and the t-shirts and the whatever. Like I would love for you to speak on that. Like what is the mommy wine culture and then maybe how you think we got there? Like why does it resonate so much with moms? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I define mommy wine culture as the social narrative that jokes or implies that mothers need alcohol to cope with raising their children. And there's a lot of problems with this message, but I, but I do want to clarify that this isn't necessarily about a mom who is just drinking wine. Uh, That is not mommy wine culture the way I see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It really is connecting a mom's wine drinking to have to having to deal with parenting, to cope with parenting. Um, so, so just to clarify that. And then um, mommy wine culture is everywhere. It really did explode with the uh, proliferation of social media. So in the early 2010s is when we started to see this mommy needs wine message. And it started out as memes. 
Um, and now it's at the point where you can get the t-shirt at Target. You can get onesies on Etsy that say, I'm the reason my mom drinks. I mean, it's very problematic. It's meant to be funny and cute, uh, but there's so many problematic messages uh, blaming our kids is the reason we drink. Um, and and I, I try to say that to people as somebody who used to share and write those memes. Yeah. So I, I have absolutely been there. I've been part of the problem. Um, and I know why we do it. We do it for connection. We do it to say, are you guys struggling too? Cause I'm struggling. You know, it's, it really is a kind of a cry for somebody see me yeah. and somebody else tell me this is hard because this is how I feel. Um, the, the problems with it, of course, is that it's not a harmless substance to yeah. be suggesting, uh, for mothers. And it puts mothers in a really dangerous position where we start leaning or looking towards alcohol to relieve us of some of these bigger challenges that alcohol simply cannot fix. Yes. I, we do a lot of work here on about the nervous system. And that's mm -hmm. been something that I've been so passionate about the last few years, but before I really had awareness and resources around like what my body needs to actually feel safe and calm. I, especially when my kids were young, like I remember it was like 10 AM and I'm like, holy moly, I can't wait till five o'clock. So yes. I have a glass of wine to take the edge off. And I just didn't have other resources. Like it was the quickest, easiest, most like, um, accepted thing for me to do to finally be able to be like, oh, and like have that moment where like the brain slows down and you're not feeling so on edge. And I would love for you to speak to just a little bit about that. Like what for, for moms who are listening and they're like, oh man, this is like really resonating. What is it that we're looking for in that outlet when we choose alcohol? Is it, is it a lack of other coping mechanisms? Is it, are we looking to numb out? Are we looking for connection maybe with our partner? And that's the way we do it. Like, what are some of the reasons that you're seeing that drive that kind of drive this, this culture? I feel like we are really at this perfect storm right now for modern motherhood with the uh, expectations yeah. for mothers, the pressures and the lag of systemic support. Uh, and, you know, a lot of this isn't new. What is new is that in 2023, more mothers are returning to work yeah. post baby than ever before. Uh, and that's where, you know, a lot of people come back to me and they go, my mother dealt with this just fine. And their mother, what, you know, yeah. why do you think you're so special? And it, we're not, I mean, we're really not, this has yeah. been a generational problem, but uh, the reason why I believe we're seeing the spike in women's drinking is because more than ever, the mental load of motherhood has never been so heavy. Yeah. Uh, mothers are returning to work and yet the expectations for them to still manage the majority of the household responsibilities yeah. and the caretaking at home remain in yeah. traditional households. Uh, and we see that statistically. Um, and it's terrifying. I mean, it, in so many ways, I think mothers are like, well, what else do you expect me to do? Right. Like I, I've got nothing going for me here. Um, so please don't take my wine from me too. And, you know, 
as I said before, it's really, it's not about the wine at all. The yeah. wine is really just a band-aid for these bigger rooted issues. Um, and I think what mothers need to be looking at is, you know, what are, what at home are you looking to relieve yourself of? Is yeah. it that you manage the majority of the household labor in your home while still working a full-time job? Yeah. And is it because you and your partner in whatever type of home you're in have have these traditional roles of who does what yeah because just because our parents did it a different way a different way doesn't mean that it's the right way yeah and um we really need to adopt a more equal understanding of what household labor and childcare uh, responsibilities look like in a home that are equal and not based on your gender or the way your parents did it. Yeah, exactly. Times are different. (laughs) Women are handling so much more. It's crazy. Um, I agree. I know for, for me, like when I started to grow an awareness of waiting for this five o'clock hour or, or, or looking forward to my glass of wine, that's kind of part of the mindset shift, I guess, that I brought into it. Like, okay, what am I actually needing? Like, what am I actually looking to receive from this glass of wine that I could get otherwise? And sometimes it was like, I just need to go for a walk by myself for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And when I come back, I'll feel what it is that I'm seeking that sense of, you know, peace or clarity or taking the edge off or whatever. Um, so I think that's so, so true. I'd also like for you to talk a little bit about um, maybe some of the consequences of that mom wine culture, or even just drinking in general, because I think often we think as moms, like, well, I don't drink to the point of like, I never wake up with a hangover, but I think we also don't realize like, oh, well, I also struggle with anxiety or I'm not sleeping well, or all these other ways in which alcohol affects our physiology that we might not realize. Like I know for me for a long time, like three, four years, I had this habit where like my husband worked nights. So I'd put my babies down to bed I would have a puzzle on the table and I would drink like a couple glasses of wine just by myself because I thought, or I had bought into this idea that that would help me sleep better. Mm. And like, it did help me fall asleep, but I know yeah. I was getting crap sleep while I was sleeping. Um, so that was just something I didn't even know. So I would love if you could just talk a little bit about how it might be showing up in ways that people don't realize. Yeah. And I think this is the hardest thing for people to understand because like, especially when you're a mom and you're like, well, it's five o'clock, I need relief. Alcohol gives me that relief. So why are you telling me it's not the solution? And here's where people don't, they, I think this is where people get confused. And I didn't understand this until recently either, but alcohol is a stimulant and a depressant, which means it'll stimulate you for about 20 minutes, which is why you feel good and light and excited. And then it adds into a depressant, which is why if you've ever had a couple drinks and you got weepy or um, felt horrible, um, that's why. Ultimately, uh, the long-term effects of this depressant and consuming a depressant on a regular basis are extremely harmful to our mental health. And as somebody who I spent much of my life dealing with my mental health, anxiety, and depression, I have been taking medication for anxiety and depression for 
the majority of my adult life, never realizing that my alcohol use was likely negating any of the benefits of that medication. Uh, Um, If I'm taking an antidepressant and I am daily drinking a depressant, (laughs) what do you think is happening in my body besides being really, really confused? So um, that is such critical information that people need to be aware of, uh, especially I'd like to think for new mothers um, who are more prone to postpartum depression and anxiety and hormones are going wild in those months after having a baby um, to think that we are giving them baskets with wine or telling them, you know, wine's the answer um, breaks my heart because um, that is probably more often than not when they are at their most vulnerable uh, from a mental health standpoint. And they really need the uh, nurturing and caretaking for their body and their health more so than maybe they would ever need, not to mention low sleep. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, speaking of sleep, uh, I think a lot of people think that alcohol does help with sleep because um, it does relax you. You might fall asleep faster, but um, anybody who's ever woken up at 3 a.m. with a racing heart knows that really our body does fall asleep, but it's not in a deep sleep state. Um, I got this cool like whoop device that shows me exactly like what my body's doing while I'm sleeping and while I'm awake. And um, you can see like in real time what our bodies are doing and how long they spend in like deep sleep versus light sleep. And um, the, the science shows that alcohol really makes our sleep problematic. Um, And it's just a really awful thing to do um, for getting a good night's sleep. And again, as mothers, what do we need more than anything? Yes. You know, we need sleep. Yes. We're all desperate for, <laughs> for sleep and rest. And like, if you're listening and that's not like, that should be enough, right. To be curious, pique your curiosity. Yeah. I mean, um, I think we don't realize we're sabotaging all these yeah. things we need um, probably more than we've ever needed it. And yet you, the mom wine culture really even subliminally makes us think that it helps right um when it's doing the opposite from every aspect yeah yeah the messaging is so mixed and it's so backwards right yeah um and so much with this like mommy wine culture and i think just alcohol culture in general is is habits and it's like what we've seen our parents doing and then we just do it and it's happy hour after work and it's you know it's five o'clock so we just pour a glass of wine without really thinking much about it so people who are listening and are curious um talk to me about some good places to start if this is something that you're curious to explore see how you feel um, and how it relates to like maybe setting up some new habits or changing some ways in which we think about things the people we hang out with the places we frequent all of these things yeah um i i always encourage people to start with taking a 30 day break from alcohol okay. um because you will you really can't see the long-term benefits of sobriety until you give it at least 30 days. Okay. Uh, I, it takes several days for alcohol to even leave our system and the, let alone to 
for our body to kind of dive into the deeper benefits such as mental health, sleep. You know, when you think about taking an antidepressant, they say it takes three weeks for a lot of them to even take effect. I, I really believe that it's the same with sobriety. Uh, you you really need to kind of dig in to at least 30 days to give your body a chance to recover uh, from consuming alcohol regularly for so much of the time that many of us do, even just socially. Uh, so starting there is a great place. You know, one of the labels that has come uh, in recent years is from Ruby Warrington, which is sober curious. And being sober curious is such an amazing way to start. You know, even if you just Google sober curious meetups, sober curious groups, uh, the um, the number of communities available uh, to start there is tremendous. Uh, and it's, it's exciting. Um, so I always encourage community because I started my sober journey without one and I have one now. So I've seen it both ways and I've seen the impact of having other people who are doing what I'm doing and can understand it, uh, from the motherhood side, uh, and just how beneficial that is. Um, but the other recommendations I, I can make is, you know, switching up your routine, switching from a cocktail to a mocktail. We have so many amazing mocktails out right now, yeah. uh, or trying a non-alcoholic beer or wine. It's the amount of options available today are unlike they've ever been, yeah. uh, and take advantage of that. Yeah. Uh, and at bars, um, and restaurants, they are being much better about, uh, having menus, for non-alcoholic options. So um, it's a great time to kind of shake this up and uh, see what this can look like. Uh, I also think about, you know, if you are home and you're in that place where you're like, I just need to take the edge off, you know, or you're, we're so overstimulated in motherhood in general, yes. right? It's just the noise, um, the cacophony, <laughs> always being touched, the messes everywhere. It can feel exhausting and it can be like, I just need relief. Yeah. Um, so what I would encourage is getting outside, kind of what you said, taking a walk whenever you can mm -hmm. um, to get fresh air. The What that can do for our nervous system and our body is, it's magical. Yeah. You know, it goes beyond uh, anything that you can possibly describe. Um, starting there. But the other thing I was just mentioning uh, on my social media is um, the power of noise canceling headphones. Mm, yeah. I mean, talk about drinking wine without drinking wine. I mean, the ability to take the noise down three notches yeah, um, just like that mm -hmm. is it's instantaneous. Uh, you can still hear your kids. So it's not like it's dangerous. Right. They just aren't screaming in your ear. Um, so when I got my first set of noise canceling headphones, I feel like um, it was one of those things where I was like, why didn't I invest in this sooner? Because um, it made such a huge difference. Mm -hmm. uh, and then having these conversations with, if you have a partner at home about redistribution of labor on the household front, um, this is a long-term solution. Um and if you're in a relationship that you want to have, you want to be long-term, you need to invest in these long-term 
conversations uh, because taking on the majority of the household labor um, when it's not conducive to your mental health or your lifestyle um, is to your own detriment and it will come out in other ways. Yeah. Oh, that's so wise. And there's so many practical resources there that we can really start to put into place. Um, before we go, I want to hear about your book. <laughs> I know I just came out. Congratulations. Yes. Um, thank you. Tell us about it and let people know what's going on and where they can find it. Yeah. So, uh, I wrote this book. Uh, it's not about the wine, the loaded truth behind mommy wine culture, talking about some of the things we talked about, but I also interviewed other mothers, uh, in recovery, other sober moms. And I did a ton of research on basically what we were talking about today. Why are we where we are at as mothers and why are we drinking more than ever? And what can we do about it? Uh, so my hope is that this book will show mothers ways to cope with the biggest stressors of motherhood without alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and finding a more sustainable solution uh, to take care of ourselves uh, because alcohol is a short-term solution with very dangerous long-term implications, but there are things we can do today um, to make a difference for our mental health, uh, for our children and for um, our community that, um, we can do today that that start today. Yeah. We'll link that for you guys in the show notes. Um, that's a great resource. And I think just all the research behind it. And if you're listening to this show, it's because you are facing, well, your mom, and you're also facing things like anxiety and overwhelm and burnout, all of which are exacerbated by mommy wine culture. So I think that's a great resource to pick up. Um, man, thank you for being here with us today. Before you go, let everyone know where they can learn more from you and connect with you and and just hear hear more about this. I am on Facebook and Instagram. My handle is the Ultimate Mom Challenge. And um, I also do weekly posts for people looking for sober tips on Substack. Oh, very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate the work that you're doing. It's a big deal. Thank you. Thanks for having me. If you love mommy's polygraph, leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. And if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review, they really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you. I read every last review and trust me, when it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up and I'm working on bringing you all of this content, Your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, DM me on Instagram. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.